Hi, you're listening to Taming the Terminal, Part 2 of N, Commands. This series of discussions is based on a collection of tutorials written by Bart Bouchatz over at bartb.ie slash ttt. This originally aired as part of NoSilicast episode 416, hosted at podfeet.com. I'm Allison Sheridan, host of the NoSilicast podcast, and the other voice you're about to hear is Bart Bouchatz of bartb.ie. So last time we took the big 40,000 foot view and you gave up to me for being all teasery. <laughs> not actually telling, not actually opening a terminal. So this time we're actually going to go and get stuck in. All right. So this is part two of N, by the way. If anyone's yeah, counting, what N two of N. <laughs> so let's start by saying where is the terminal? It is in Applications Utilities, and it's called Terminal.app. So double-click it, and up will pop a white window. I'm going to assume that you haven't changed any defaults, and therefore. What I'm going to describe is what you will see if you haven't tinkered with it. If you're the kind of person who's tinkered with it, none of this is news to you. So you don't actually need to listen to this bit at all. <laughs> so you're going to see... Oh, a white uh, let me interrupt real quick. By the way, Bart has written these up in his uh, blog, and it might be kind of fun to follow along with that as he describes all this, because he's got pictures and everything. Pictures, and you can copy and paste the example commands and stuff, so you can play along at home. Now, the commands today don't do anything interesting, because the purpose today is to explain sort of the structure of a command so that in future we're not confused as to what's going on. So from next week on, things get a lot more, or next time on, things will get a lot more serious. But we're laying the second layer of the foundation today. But it's a very important layer. And if you don't, keep reading this one until it makes sense, because otherwise from now on you're just going to be lost. Okay. This is, this is the basics. So first off, let's just have a look at the window itself. I've done a little screenshot with the arrows pointing at the important bits. So in the title bar, it has one of our good friends, a proxy icon. Uh, because when you're in a terminal window, like when you're in a finder window, you are in a folder. Although being Unixy Linuxy land, the word used isn't folder. The word used is the more old-fashioned directory. And I would actually advise people start saying in their head the word directory, because all of the commands that deal with files and stuff have Ds in them whenever they want to talk about a folder. So if you in your mind are thinking folder, 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 the command CD for change directory won't fit right in your head because you'd be thinking CF. Okay. So anyway, so if I, I'm going to intermittently use one or the other just to get people into the habit, but directory is folder. It's just the DOS slash Unix slash Linux word for it, whereas folder is the Windows slash OS 10 version of it. So like a finder window, your terminal session is in a folder. And that's called the current directory. And that will be shown, the name of it will be shown next to the, to the proxy icon, and the proxy icon will be there. So by default, your terminal window opens in your home directory, so the proxy icon will be a little house. Oh, I, you, I never even noticed that. So it's the same icon you see in the finder for your home directory. Sure. It's that cute little right. house. Then there'll be a minus sign. It's not really a minus sign, it's one of those stretched out minus signs, whatever they're called. Dash of some sort. Double dash. Yeah. One of those. Uh, and then it will say the name of the currently running process. And until you do something, the process in charge is the command shell, which, as we just learned last time, is by default bash. So you'll see big slashy minus thing, bash. Once you're running a command, so if you're running, say, a command like the zip command, and you're trying to zip up five terabytes of stuff, and it's going to take an hour, what it'll actually say in the top of that terminal window is zip. Yeah. Until the command finishes, and then it'll go back to saying bash. So it's just basically the current working command, which is nice. 
Um, and then next to that is the dimensions of the window in not pixels, but in characters, because your terminal window is just a grid of characters. So uh, 80 okay. characters across, 24 characters down is what mine I is. I never noticed that. Huh, look at that. Now I'm shrinking a, and stretching oh, okay. it and the number's changing. It's very exciting. Okay. That didn't used to be on by default. You used to have to go in and turn that on in older versions of OS X, but it's there by default now. So within the window, then, you're going to have a line of text, and the first line when you open the new terminal window is always last login, some date, and then it says on, and then something. If you've never used a terminal, I've no idea what you'll see, because that's not something that happens to me. (laughs) Yeah, that would be fun to know. (laughs) Um... So, but, so for me, it says last log on today at 9 p.m. Um, and then I'll say on. And then if you've come in remotely from another computer, it'll be the name of the computer that goes there. But if you've come in from another terminal window on the same computer, it'll be TTYS and then a number. And we're not even going to care what TTYS stands for. It does mean something, but we don't care. Okay. The next line is the important line. The next line is your so-called command prompt, which is, if you're in Windows world, it's the equivalent of that C colon backslash angle bracket thing. And next to it is the cursor, which, unlike in DOS, doesn't blink at you. It just sort of sits there. But that's where you're going to type stuff. And you know that the, the shell is ready to accept the command when the command prompt is showing. Now, in, if you're in Windows land and sitting in DOS, the command prompt only contains the current folder you're in followed by the little angle bracket thingy and then the blinky prompt. Bash has a very configurable prompt and it can give you lots of information instead of just where you are. Um, Exactly how your prompt will look will be different on different Linux distributions and stuff because they'll have different default configurations for Bash. You're still using Bash, but the defaults have just been set differently by the person who assembled your operating system. So on the Mac, the way the prompt works is the first thing is the name of your computer followed by a colon, followed by the current directory, followed by a space, followed by your username, followed by the dollar sign. Dollar sign just to show you what the end looks like? Yes, we'll get back to the dollar in a minute. Okay. It it, it does a magic trick. But for now, yes, so the dollar, for now we're going to say the dollar's on the end. So in my case it says Bart-IMAC because I'm really imaginative. Colon, and then the, the squiggle sign, the tilde, as it's officially called. I hear people call it squiggle all the time. Um, And the squiggle is a special shortcut within Bash that means your home directory. So at the top of the window, it says I'm in my home directory, and the squiggle means the same thing. Then a space, and then my username. Again, very imaginative. It's just Bart. And if you're wondering where that came from, when you created your OS X account, it asked you for your full name, and then it showed your short name underneath. And by default, your short name is just your first name. Unless there's another user with the same first name, and then it'll stick your initial after it or something like that. But it's editable while you're creating your account. But that's where it'll have come from. So in my case, it's Bart. I'm going to wild stab in the dark. In your case, it's Allison. Yes, it is. And then the magic dollar sign. And then a space. And then your, your, cur- your cursor waiting for you to enter some input. So the dollar sign, if you see the dollar sign on the end, it means you're not the root user. If you're the root user, the dollar sign becomes a hash. Or a pound sign, as you Americans call it. (laughs) So if you see a pound sign, type it with caution. You are the root user. You have the power to blow everything up. If you don't see the pound sign, I'm not saying just, you know, whack away at the keyboard and don't think. (laughs) Because there is a keyboard equivalent of selecting all of your files and dragging them into the trash. But you don't quite have the same destructive power. (laughs) And so for the next 
quite a few episodes or segments or whatever we want to call these, we're going to be seeing that little dollar sign there. Now, you might say to yourself, this seems like some very superfluous information. I know what computer I'm on. I'm sitting at it. <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> that only holds true until you discover the joys of SSH. Oh, let's do yeah. that now. Ah, <laughs> <No. laughs> uh, I promise. No, we are going there. Okay. Not, Not today. Going there. But if you SSH to another server, it will be the name of the server that you're actually controlling that will show up there. And if you have five or six terminal windows open on five or six different servers, that's a lifesaver. Without having to type the command to show my IP address, I know where I am just based on the prompt. And the username also seems like superfluous information, but there are actually really good reasons to make your terminal belong to a different user so that you can do things that user can do that your user can't do. And there's commands for basically jumping around, so basically becoming someone else. Just within the terminal window now, so your GUI is still you, but the terminal window becomes someone else. And so it can actually be very important to know, who am I? Um, so th- those seem superfluous. They're not. They're actually very, very useful. And it's been very carefully thought of. So I said that, you know, this series, all of our screenshots are going to be OS ten, but this stuff is pretty generic, right? This is just bash Linux slash Unix. So everyone else can follow along. So, you know, Nightwise and his Linux fetish can follow along. But just to say, as an example, that the prompt isn't always the same, I've put in two other examples from two other operating systems. So if you're a, if you're on a, um, a Red Hat based Linux distro, so that would be Red Hat itself, CentOS or uh, Fedora, it actually has open square bracket, username at hostname space folder, close square bracket dollar. I kind of think looks nicer. But that's just a personal preference. Um, and Ubuntu gets rid of the square brackets, but is otherwise pretty much the same as the um, Red Hat one. So it's just username at server, colon, where you are, dollar. In fact, the Ubuntu one is the most compact. It takes it wastes the least amount of space. But you'll notice all three of them actually give exactly the same information. They just prettify it slightly differently. Okay. Now, a handy tip before we go any further. Depending on your eyesight and or your age, you may or may not find that the size of the type in the terminal is a bit diminutive. (laughs) Yes, it is. Thank you. The default is 11 point. And it works for me, but I have a feeling a decade from now, I may feel very differently on that. You know, you're one of the only young people I know who recognizes that they will also be in the future. Usually young people just laugh at me, and I'm sure that's what I did when I was young. But it is such a pain in the butt, I have to tell you. Well, I, I went through a phase in my early 20s, which apparently is quite normal while you're growing, that your eyes get temporarily out of whack and then get back into whack. So I had oh. to wear glasses for a few years, but now I don't. Oh, so I didn't, okay. I did, and now I don't. So I know where I'm going in the future, because I've been there already. <laughs> okay. So if you just want to make this terminal bigger, you hold down the command key and you hit the plus, and you'll watch it do that magic trick that websites do as well with the same shortcut, and so it'll grow. Oh. And that'll work for that one window, which is handy if you want to show someone something from across the room. But it might get a bit frustrating if every single time you open up the terminal, the text is too small. Yeah. So if you go to Terminal Preferences, and then you go to the Settings tab, you'll see that there's a whole bunch of preset color schemes for the terminal. So you can Ooh. go completely wacky. I would strongly advise against anything but white on black or black on white, because otherwise... The shiny, fancy commands in OS 10 that use color text, bits of the text will vanish because you've got a green or a red background and it ain't going to work. 
So the default profile is marked as default, and it's called basic. If you click on that, you'll see it says font uh, Menlo regular 11 point. If you click the change button, you can make it anything you like. For the sake of your sanity, only use fixed width fonts in the terminal. Right, Your couriers, right. your Menlo's, uh, Adobe have a really nice new fixed width font out that I can't remember the name of, so that's no good to anyone. <laughs> um, and the other thing is, if you really want a blinky cursor, because mm-hmm. you just feel that you want that oomph, there's a little checkbox at the bottom that lets you make the cursor blink and also lets you decide whether the cursor is a block, an underline, or a vertical bar. Hmm. And you can go bonkers with the colors. I don't think you should because you'll regret it, but you can. Now, there's one called Homebrew that's that's black, but it, it's sort of like green screen kind of stuff. It's green text on on black. Is that one okay? You think that's going to be a problem too? It, I know that one should be mostly okay. You just won't notice when stuff is highlighted in green. You'll okay. see it. It won't vanish into nothingness, but you won't realize that it's being highlighted for you. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, that that should be fine. Grass would be a particularly silly one to use, as would ocean. <laughs> anyway, okay. so they're in there, and you can set your thingies up and make it look as pretty as you want. Something I really like to do, you can also set the transparency of the window. I like to have my terminals at about sort of 20, 25% transparent, 75% solid. So that if I have if something moves in a background terminal window, I see that there's movement. I can't read it, but I know that something has happened. Hmm. Now, now that that's not really going to matter when you're starting out, but I, I usually have logs being displayed in real time while I'm doing something. And so if I'm working on a website and I have the error log being shown and suddenly the error log starts scrolling by at 90 mile an hour, I've broken something. Ah, okay. So <laughs> and you want to like know to what's notice. going on underneath? <laughs> yeah. But as a, that's just, a, I don't know if people want to do that. It may drive some people absolutely bonkers that you can see through your terminal window. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd like that. I, I don't see where that selection is. It's in there somewhere because I set it up years ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, well, we don't need to stop for it now, but uh, that no, we'll, we'll leave that as a lesson for the student. Background. An exercise yeah. for the student. So if you go to the window tab, there's a background button and you can set it. When you click the color, you have a transparency slider. Opacity, sorry. Oh, color and effects. Okay, there we go. Yeah. So that's the window. So what we learned last week was that a shell is a thingy for executing commands. We've now looked at the window into which we're going to type our commands. Clearly, what we need to talk about now are the commands. Yay. So the first thing to say, and uh, Donald brought it up in the comments, I was intentionally vague last time because there is actually a difference between a command shell and the commands you execute in a command shell. And I decided I didn't want to talk about the commands last week because I wanted to be shell only last week and commands only this week. But just to stress the point, the commands you execute in a shell aren't don't depend on the shell. They depend on the operating system. So if you're in OS X, it doesn't matter whether you're using ZSH, CSH, KSH, Bash, SH. You're giving it OS X commands. If you're on Linux, it doesn't matter whether you're in Bash, blah, 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 blah. You're giving it Linux commands. For the sake of all of our sanity, thank goodness, almost every single basic command in Linux and all the Unixes is the same. So thankfully, just about everything I'm going to talk about in this series will work on Linux or Macs, which are Unixes, or other Unixes, because OS X is basically FreeBSD Unix. So the commands are Linux slash Unix commands. They're not bash commands. Okay, good. Bash is just the environment in which we're inputting these commands. And bash has really cool features we're going to be using, but the commands themselves are... Unix commands or OS X commands. 
Okay. And the structure is very straightforward. Command, space, well, command, just on its own. Some commands are just the command. But most commands need some sort of input because even something as simple as the change directory command, it doesn't make sense to say change directory because the obvious question is to what? Right? Okay. Copy. Makes no sense in its own. Copy what to where. Move. What to where. Delete. What? Create a new folder. What would you like to call it? Right? Just about every command you can think of, there are a few that take no more information, but just about every command needs some sort of input from you to actually express what it is you'd like it to do. And the name that computer scientists give to such input is arguments. So a command takes arguments. And the way it works is you have a command and then optionally followed by a space, followed by the first argument, followed by a space, followed by the second argument uh, for as many arguments as you need. So arguments from 1 to n, actually arguments from 0 to n. But the separator is the space. Command, space, argument, space, argument, space, argument. Right? And that's what you got to always keep in your head. Every time you see a space, you're going from first the command, then argument 1, argument 2, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Every command has its own rules about what it's going to do with those arguments. Oh, they should. Sure every do. command is different. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense that it would be any other way, really, if, you know, because every, the extra information needed to rename a file is different to the extra information needed to create a folder. Is di- you know, they need different things. So they all have different rules. And we're going to learn how you figure those rules out in a future episode, because I don't want to confuse us today. But the point being, what's in those arguments is of no interest to the shell. It just takes them and gives them to the command. And it's entirely up to the command to decide what it's going to do with the information you've given it. And, in fact, it's up to the programmer who wrote the command to decide what his strategy or her strategy is going to be for decoding them. Now, for simple stuff... The strategy can be very, very basic. I am going to tell you that you must give me one argument, and it must be the folder you want to go to. That's a sensible description of the cd command. And there's not really much going on there. But if you make a more complicated command that has optional extra parameters and stuff, you can't just force people to say, okay, so this thing takes 20 options, so everyone must give 20 arguments, which are going to be true or false for all of the optional things. That would drive you, me, and everyone on the planet absolutely bonkers. So some clever people developed a standard library that, well, I'd say millions, lots and lots and lots of apps use the same standard library for processing their argument list. So the app just gets a list, and then it has to decide, what do I do with this list? And the, a really common library defines this concept, which it has given the name of a flag. And a flag is just an argument that starts with the symbol minus. And that is interpreted by this library and hence by millions and millions of commands as this minus is going to be followed by a single letter and that letter is going to define some option for me. But it's not always followed by a single letter. Ah, we get to that. Okay. Okay, so a a, a simple, at its basicest level, the most simple type of flag is simply minus sign followed by a letter. Our example for this is the command to list the contents of the current directory, which is the ls command. So if you type ls space minus l, so the minus l is the flag, and that l stands for long. And so if you type ls on its own and hit enter, you're going to see only the names of all the files and folders in your home directory. 
So you're going to see documents, you're going to see um, downloads, desktop, the usual stuff that's in there. Right, so mm-hmm. I presume you're following along. Yep, and it's just a. By, the, by the way, this is a terrible example because you said that a command always has to have an argument. LS well, doesn't have to have an no. argument. I explicitly said some of them don't, but most of them do. Oh, okay. Yeah? But here's a case where the argument is something you're going to want. Yeah, because so LS just kind of lumps it up, and LS is annoying because it it puts them in columns, so it's kind of hard to read too. Yeah, I don't like LS without arguments. I almost never use it without arguments. I think it's silly. Um, So it takes an argument that is minus L. So if you type ls space minus L, so command ls, one argument, the flag L. L means long. And so instead of it being these stupid columns neither of us like, it's one line per file and lots and lots of information about that file. Most of the information right now, this minute in time, is garbage to us. And don't worry about that. And it's going to be garbage to you for a wee while yet. Don't panic. (laughs) Right, But the point being, the minus L flag has altered the behavior of the ls command. The ls command also takes a second flag, well, it takes many flags, but another flag it takes that's useful is the A flag, which stands for all. By default, ls obeys hidden files, as in hidden files are not shown. But you might actually want to see hidden files. And so the way you see hidden files is by adding the minus A attribute after it, and then it'll show everything. So if you do ls space minus l space minus a, it will show you a few extra things. Now, if you're like me, the kind of person who uses lots of Unixy things, you're going to see a whole bunch of file names starting with the with the symbol dot. So if like dot c cvs, a bunch of stuff in here. Dot updated. Dot cups. Dot Dropbox. All kinds of dot stuff. All kinds of dots. So Are those the, minus the hidden a files has, then? Yes. So the minus a has shown you the hidden files, which are all those dotty things. Now, it doesn't have to be minus L space minus A. It can be minus A space minus L. So you can try that. So LS space minus A space minus L. Right? The, the order of flag thing, doesn't it? matter. Does exactly the okay. same thing. And there's a shortcut that saves you typing. So you can actually mush flags together. So instead of saying, I'm going to give you two arguments for my two different flags, you can say, I'm going to give you one argument. So if you type LS space minus AL, it does exactly the same thing too. Oh, there we go. It's a one argument version that specifies two flags in one. So they're the most common kinds of flags, and they can even take values. So if you use two arguments to represent your flag, you can give it a value. So an example of that is the SSH command, which we're not actually going to hit enter on because I have no idea what people's usernames and passwords are. But the SSH command allows you to specify with a flag what port number the SSH server you're connecting to is on. So it's SSH, the name of space, the name of your server, space minus p space a number. And so the minus p is one argument, and the space separates it from the next argument, which is the number. But that's interpreted by the app through this fancy library for flags as those pair are one, even though they are two arguments in reality. I, I hate to stop you, but this is the second mm-hmm. time no, you've used... Well, you, it's the second time you used the, the phrase, or used the word the app. What What app are we talking about? Yeah, I really wanted to stop myself doing that. Okay, okay. I was hoping to pretend... No, actually, no, this is probably better. A <laughs> command right isn't magic, it's an app. Okay, so SSH is an app. SSH is an app, CD is an app, oh. LS is an app. Well, that In wasn't that term, scary. call them programs. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, exactly. So commands are just execute this app, and this app will take these arguments. So okay. There's no really such thing as commands, but everyone calls them that. 
So, okay. Yeah, actually, that wasn't hard. <laughs> okay, so we say SSH, then the name or IP address we're going to, then you said dash P. What did dash P stand for? It means I want to specify a non-standard port. So ah. by default, SSH uses port 22. But if you have a server on the internet, every script kitty on the planet is going to be guessing your username and password in port 22. So I never run my SSH servers on port 22. I just pick a random number, and I run them on that instead. But that okay. means that every time I type the SSH command, I have to type space minus P space the number my server is actually running on. Hmm. Otherwise, it won't connect. And there's another flag it can take as minus L to specify the login name or username. So you'll see the example in the show notes is SSH space some name of a server space minus L Bart space minus P443. So there are two, two flags passed as four arguments. Because every time you meet a space, it's actually a new argument. Like, keep oh, right, right. That. Okay. Finally, we're actually we're getting close to the end here. Good. good. Um, yeah. There, I mean, not, also... not good that it's over. Just good that we've got a long time. <laughs> Are we? No, no, we're good. We're good. Okay. Um, there is a limit to the amount of letters in an alphabet. So if you have a very complicated command, you have your minus L, you have your minus capital L, but anything else that begins with an L, you then got to use a non-logical letter for. So minus password, minus port, minus capital P, minus lowercase p, I guess. What if it needs something else that begins with the P? It all gets confusing. So there's a, a more modern library that's also very heavily used these days for having sort of long-form flags. And instead of them starting with a minus, they start with a minus minus. <laughs> okay. And in this case, they use a single argument to specify either just a plain old flag or a flag with a value. So the example is the MySQL command, which isn't installed by default in OS X, but many people have it installed because it's for connecting to MySQL databases. So the MySQL command, if you want to specify what username and password that you use to connect to the database, you use minus minus username equals, and then your username, space minus minus password equals, and then the password, space the name of the database. So I have a made-up example. I promise you my password is not open123. <laughs> and my database is not called example database. <laughs> okay, so uh, are we going to run into this dash dash or minus minus thing very often? Is that pretty rare? Yeah, actually. Uh, I run into it very often in my day-to-day -day life. Okay. And a lot of apps actually allow you to have a big version and a small version. So if you're writing a script that you might come back to later, you can use minus U space Bart, minus P space open123, but that may not be as clear to you when you come back in six months' time to edit your code, whereas if you use the long form, it's readable by hmm. humans. Okay. And the nice thing is you can mix the two together. So the next, the final example is minus minus username equals Bart, minus minus password equals one two, open123 space name of the database, space minus V, which is the verbose flag, which means tell me everything you're doing. Uh, I could have also typed minus minus verbose. But instead oh. I'm using the, the EOD minus V. Okay. So, again, so really the key point is command, space, arguments separated by spaces, which may or may not exist. So there could be zero to N arguments. <laughs> and lots of apps have decided to make arguments make sense to use this common concept of a flag. So minus a letter or minus minus a name. They're still just arguments, but that's just a really, really common paradigm that lots and lots of developers have used. So lots and lots of commands behave like that. And so you're going to see lots and lots of those, which is why I use them as examples. 
Right, right. So before we finish today, I unfortunately have to throw a tiny bit of mud in the water. Uh-oh. Okay. Now, I'm, I was keeping I up. if you spotted the flaw in the plan, as it were. <laughs> no. So I have said that every time you meet a space, it means you're going on to a new argument. Great. What is allowed in file names within OS X? Spaces. What is very, very often used as an argument for a million and one commands? A file names. A file names? Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Move okay. a file, copy a file, delete a file. They're all file names. They can have spaces in them. If space means this is the end of one argument, nothing makes sense anymore once you put a space in. Right. So what do you do? Well, the answer is you have to tell the shell... When I say space here, I don't mean separator. I mean an actual space character. Okay. And you do that in one of two ways. You do that by either escaping, is the name given to it, or quoting. Right? And it's not just spaces. So there is a list of commands that are in the show notes. I am not going to explain what they do. They all do something important that we will meet at some point in N future segments. <laughs> The space character, the pound sign, the semicolon, the double quote, the single quote, the back tick, the backslash, the exclamation point, the dollar sign, open and closing, parens as you call them, or brackets as we call them in Ireland, uh-huh. ampersand, angle bracket in both directions or greater than less than signs, and the pipe symbol. Right? Okay. Those need to be in. If you mean one of those characters, you have to tell the shell. I don't mean the special thing these characters do. I mean the actual character. I mean the actual dollar oh. sign. I mean the actual exclamation point. Okay. And so your two strategies are escaping and quoting. Escaping is the most straightforward. You put the backslash character in front of the special character. That's it. Oh. Now. So if you have example, a space between two words, you would do backslash then the space. space. Exactly, and that okay. means this next space doesn't mean the argument is over it just means i want you to put an actual space here okay and so if you tab complete stuff with spaces in it you'll see that it actually as you tab complete it automatically puts the backslash space in right but you haven't told people about tab complete yet yeah well, you mentioned it in passing last week so oh okay okay so and, and i, I use that all the time because i'm too lazy to put those escapes in i didn't know what they were called i just knew that when it typed it in it would put backslashes before spaces yeah, now I know why. And it's, it's really common. It's used in programming as well for a very similar reason. Because in programming, some characters have a special meaning. And sometimes you don't want them to have a special meaning. So it's used all over the place. It's a very common idea. So to, explain, to make all of this more obvious, I'm going to use what is probably one of the most useless commands in the whole of Linux. It's the echo command. It just yeah. repeats what you tell it. Okay. Right? Now, in this case, we're going to use a very famous phrase used by programmers all over the place. Hello, world. If we want to print out hello world with a space between the hello and the world and an exclamation point on the end, we have two special characters. So we type echo space, which says echo is the command, space, we're starting our one and only argument, H-E-L-L-O backslash space, so this space doesn't mean the argument is over, capital W-O-R-L-D backslash exclamation point. And if we hit return, it will print out hello world. I made mine say hello Al. I'm just that creative. (laughs) Same idea, right? And that works. So escaping always works. The thing is, if you have something which has like 20 special characters in it, escaping is a pain in the backside. Hey, Bart. Especially. I'm sorry, you're going to hate that I asked this, but I took out the backslashes to see what happened, and it still works. If I write echo space, hello space, Al, exclamation point, it says hello, Al. 
Exclamation it point. won't reliably work. So okay. what you've actually done by taking out the first space is you've actually given echo two arguments. Okay. Which it has then usually went, I'll print this argument, then I'll print the next argument. But it has actually split it into two arguments. Ah. And if you put that exclamation point into the middle of the text, put another character after it. Okay. And without the slash in front of it, now hit enter, it's going to give you an error. It's going to say event not found or something like that. Let's see. It says hello space L exclamation point space now, which is what I wrote. Okay, no, no, don't put a space after it. Put some. Put a letter that's not a special character uh, right after the exclamation point. Ah, uh, okay. Ah, event not found. Yeah. Okay, because got an error. The exclamation point can have a meaning depending on whether it's in the middle of a word or the edge of a word. Okay, so, so I just got safe, lucky. <laughs> okay. Exactly. So to play it safe, you escape it because okay. it can have a meaning and can trip you up. All right. But if you copy and paste something, you then have to use the back key to go the whole way back and escape out every special character one by one. Do you know what that is? It's a pain hmm. in the backside. <laughs> so there is a second technique for getting rid of, or for telling the term or the, the shell that there's a bunch of special characters coming. Don't make them special. Make them normal. And that's quoting. That means that you surround the entire argument with either a double quote or a single quote. So one on each side. Oh, I want to know that. Yeah. I hate putting those slashes in there. It's And it's clumsy and two-fingered and all kinds of things. Yeah. So if okay. you're copying and pasting, you type the two quotes, you hit the back key once, then you hit Command-V to paste, and then you can hit Enter, because the quotes are going to fix all the special characters for you. Now, there's a very subtle difference. Wait, what was using... the backspace for? Okay, no, it's not the backspace, it's the back arrow. So you've typed some command, space, quote, quote, Back arrow, command V, enter. So you put yourself between your two quotes. Oh, okay. Sorry, as a programmer, everything that should match gets typed at once. So you never have, I, even if I'm typing an essay, if I want to put something in brackets, I'll open and close the brackets, then, then use the back arrow to go into it. Why? Because if you're programming and you don't oh, match Oh, you might bracket, forget the other one. Oh, exactly. okay. So you always type something that has to be matched as a pair. It's it's a it's a habit that's really weird to non-programmers, but any, every programmer will do that. So if I'm typing echo hello world in quotation marks, I'm going to type echo space, quote, quote, back arrow, hello world. And I'm going to do that without even thinking about it. Huh. That's not a bad idea. So if you do echo hello world and you surround it in single quotes and you leave the exclamation point in, it will work without having to backtick anything. Yeah, but not you with do that two. with. Yeah. Yeah, not with Two double quotes. quotes. It's called a partial escape. Right? It okay. will become really important later. But what it means is it will block out almost every special character, but for a very strategic reason that will become very useful to us. Not all of them. And there are four of them it doesn't block out. Huh. The double quote, the back tick, the backslash, and the dollar sign. And the exclamation point. Shoot, I forgot that one. Four yeah, and the exclamation point. Among the many characters... Okay. So single quotes is, is better to do for now. Yes, with one exception. <laughs> a single quote can't contain a single quote. Okay, sure. Because you think about the, that's gonna, the universe explodes if you do that. So <laughs> if your thingy contains a single quote, you have no choice but to use double quotes or to escape them all. And the thing is, if you use double quotes, you can still use the special characters. You just got to put a backslash. So if you type in double quotes, hello world, no backslash in front of the space, but you put a backslash in front of the exclamation point, it'll work. Ah, okay. 
because it's a partial escape. So you only have to manually do those few characters instead of all of them. And the important thing is it gets you those bloody spaces because the space is the one you're going to meet infinitely more often than the dollar sign. If you want to punish yourself, you can actually put a dollar sign into a file name in OS X. But you're asking for trouble, right? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty careful about what I put in my file names. I definitely don't use apostrophes. And, and I wish I were, you know, like uh, Dorothy names everything camel case and things like that and all squished together. That's probably because it's easier to, to do stuff like this with the file names, right? Yeah, I use camel case as well because there's no F in spaces. <laughs> Can I say that in this podcast? <laughs> yes. Okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, All right. Hey, this is this has been cool. It started out a little slow for me because I, you know, I am quite the hmm. you know four command ninja here in uh, in the command line. But uh, well, you you definitely with the the uh, the escape thing that's fantastic. I hate typing in those those spaces and yeah. the slashes. So today, all we've really done is this is a terminal window and this is a command. But now we have laid the most important foundation. So next week or next time, I keep saying next week. It's not weekly. The next time we're going to talk about the file system, because I've said you're in a folder. Great. What's a folder? And how do we move around? I'm in one folder. I want to. What's a directory, that. Bart? What's a directory? Exactly. <laughs> so that's where we're going next. And so with that teaser, we'll call it a day. All right. Sounds great, Bart. This was fun. Cool. So until I'm assuming in two weeks, happy computing. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Taming the Terminal. Remember that all of the information you've been hearing is available as text tutorials at bartb.ie slash ttt. If you'd like to contact us, you can write to allison at podfeet.com or podcasting at bartafisser.net.